Hi, I'm Jenna. And hi, I'm Tamara. Our topic is Media Literacy 2. With readings from Buckingham, Do We Really Need Media Education 2.0, Teaching Media in the Age of Participatory Culture, and Media Manipulation and Disinformation Online by Marwick and Lewis. So what do you guys feel are the benefits of bringing media into the classroom? Well, I think understanding the importance of media literacy for our students is what's most important, but also using media to gain opportunities that otherwise would not be available. Yes, I agree. Media literacy in the classroom literally helps lessen the social and economic digital divide. Exactly. And not only are teachers able to use media as tools, but can also teach students how to use it. So Buckingham talks about the benefits of bringing Media 2.0 into the schools, which includes skills in networking and collaborating, locating information, and interacting with others. That's right. Students are no longer just the audience, but can now be producers of information and sharing it. In this way, they take an active role in what they're learning. I've been thinking about how diversity of methods and ideas can bring people together through discussion and research, which ultimately can result in commonality and collaboration, not just opposition in schools. Buckingham stresses the idea of media 1.0 versus 2.0 and why we need to integrate both into education. What is your take on this? Well, I think children already have an understanding of media like Instagram and Facebook. However, as mentioned in the reading, becoming critical participants and to develop a broad understanding of the dimensions of media, whether that be economical, social, or cultural, is what needs to be taught in the classroom. Natalie, do you see how Media 2.0 and the inclusion of media literacy in the classroom will help decrease the digital divide for students of various economic and social backgrounds? Buckingham also referred to that as the participation gap. Yeah, I definitely think using Media 2.0 can help connect the divide between different economic and social education backgrounds, giving all students the opportunities of 2018, which reminds me of a quote from the Buckingham reading on page 16. If disaffected and disadvantaged young people are to be enabled to participate, they need to develop relatively traditional skills in locating and evaluating information, constructing arguments, and thinking critically. And these things depend, in turn, on fairly advanced forms of traditional literacy. Jenna, do you feel that Media 1.0 is a base for learning the Media 2.0? Yes, the importance of students being able to distinguish the difference between the old media and the new media, and as well as understand how the media has changed over the time is vital to their education. It's quoted that the internet may be fostering new forms and styles of civic engagement that are at least potentially more inclusive, but participation in this area, as in many others, also requires relatively traditional forms of cultural and educational capital. Jenna, that was really well said. When we moved on to the Marwick and Lewis reading, it became clear that Media 2.0 in the classroom is to teach students the importance of media literacy and how to discern between real and fake information. So why not having media education in schools could be detrimental? Why is media so vulnerable? There is a lack of trust, a decline of local news, and the attention economy. Yeah, Natalie, back to the lack of trust. News stations are constantly contradicting each other, which is causing the decline of local news. So society is finding it hard to trust the news and getting their news from other outlets within social media. 
And then with the attention economy, we are overwhelmed, literally. We're bombarded with information, whether it's true or not. And that reminds me of a quote by Herbert A. Simon. He said, now when we speak of an information-rich world, we may expect analogically that the wealth of information means a dearth of something else, a scarcity of what it is that information consumes. What information consumes is rather obvious. It consumes the attention of its recipients. Hence, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. So basically that means if we get so much information, it's difficult to process it, right? That's right, Natalie. So what are the outcomes of this? Well, there's misinformation, growing distrust in the media, further radicalization. You know, um, on that point, the reactions to disinformation are explained in a case study about Pizzagate and that Marwick and Lewis reading. Um, they wrote on page 56, quote, the incident almost also demonstrates the real-world harassment and violence that can emerge as a direct result of media manipulation and misinformation online. And that's a scary outcome. Definitely scary. Everyone feels that they are reporting the news now within social media. Well, Jenna, we can't all believe everything that's on Facebook. (laughs) I know. On page three, they state that taking advantage of the opportunity the Internet presents for collaboration, communication, and peer production, these groups target vulnerabilities in news media ecosystems to increase the visibility of an audience for their messages. Students need to learn about media and the difference between what is fake and real. And students should know that selective perception is the process by which individuals perceive what they want to see in media while ignoring opposing viewpoints. Which is what a lot of people do on Facebook. They go towards articles which are more based on their viewpoints. And as future educators, we feel that these readings have shown many benefits of having media education in schools like media literacy, and avoiding media manipulation, also learning how to recognize it. And understanding how media works and the media tools at hand. Thanks so much for listening in. Hope this overview of Buckingham and Marwick and Lewis can help gain some clarity on media literacy too.